Could have you could have cheated in just like a in a way no one would have caught you, like you would. I mean, I don't know. Like, why do things the right way? Well, that's that's a really good question. I know that's why I asked it. Um, that's what we're here to do. <laughs> Maybe when I'm bigger. that there you go that would be great but uh Hi. how are you i'm well how are you good i hear you're gonna keep us in line today is that it i don't know about that i like to go on tangents with adam so it'll it'll be interesting oh, if geez, us going of us going on tangents. i don't know what's going on <laughs> well, i think i think when we get a tangent to our tangents we'll be in good shape I was just I was just telling Anna like we're probably too close to the material uh, to talk just about hammer throwing and so um, it'll be nice we'll broaden the topic here a little bit and, and Anna can keep us straight. Yeah, I'll be sure to be like I don't know what's going on. <laughs> um, well, shoot. So I being like the first episode, I thought this would be a good first episode just because um, Lance, I think. I think you're a good person to talk about goals and motivation and the reasons why we train and, and that sort of stuff. And I think that'd be a good starting foundation to start talking about, ta starting talking to other people who, who may have more specific like um, research expertise or, or something like that. Okay. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sort of the spokes model. You're our spiritual guide. <laughs> You're, you're, you're a spirit animal uh, for, for this podcast. Um, and, and we'll figure out Anna's and I's roles as we, as we go along here. Um, <laughs> Just casual moderators. <laughs> right. Um, and so I have no, I have no format or plan Um for this, except for just letting you talk about like how cool you are and then questioning you on the goofy statements you make. Okay, and then once Anna's done, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good question. Well, <laughs> we, we should just make Anna talk for like 45 minutes straight and just keep asking her question after question after question. Just, that's cool. I'd be like, um, I guess I'm the guest here. I'll see you guys next time. <laughs> just, just aging people asking what young people what life is like. That will be really what the what the podcast is about. All right. You watch Letter Kenny? I don't. No. Okay. Never mind then. It's not going to make. I'll miss the reference. Yeah. Um. Okay. So. So I, I, is, is the Exercise Physiology Podcast, is that a good enough name? Or should we try to figure out like a better name? Here's the thing. I don't think it matters, does it? No. Yeah. Not at all. And then I know if it's called the Exercise Physiology Podcast, if it's in my school calendar, no one's going to question it. <laughs> so. Okay. I don't know. And then so 
I figure we'd probably say like, welcome to the equity book or no, that's my other podcast. Welcome to the exercise physiology podcast. And then we'll just, it's all say, I'm Adam Kriz. Um, Anna, you introduce yourself and then um, we'll introduce Lance. Yeah. Our special guest today. Our is... spe yeah. There we go. Ooh, you want to do the special guest today? Who, me? No, no, no. To have Anna say that. That was really good. You nailed that part. Oh. Okay. oh wait you want me to be the special guest or say our special guest today our special guest oh, <laughs> i was like if you do want me to be the guest sure i don't have anything to offer but um i then that, see that's not true you're you're more current on studying exercise physiology than either lance or i are and you're actually working in at as an occupational therapist right yes not yet but eventually yeah but event but you're working in an office right no. Uh, I work at the hospital. So, oh. so yeah, I work with physical therapists as well. Yeah. So you're actually probably closer to being an expert than either Lance or I. So let's hope so, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> all I know um, is VO2 max. That's a thing. That's all I got. What's that? And, and, and VO2 max and anaerobic threshold. That's all I got. Yeah. The, we're we're going to lean heavily on that silver medal thing too. Um, for the spots. <laughs> Um, I don't know. You know, Adam, we yeah. should, we, I, I think for this episode, since we wanted to talk about like motivation and like, you know, things like that, I feel like this episode, we should just name it like mental endurance, right? Because, you know, this, this has to do with, you know, the mental game of like athletics, you know, how do you, how do you stick around for like the Olympics for like six rounds and then you know, earn a silver medal, you know? I think I think that'd be a good start. We should do that. This is why she's here. Yeah. Yeah. You can see that already. Um, <laughs> Koji running a marathon. Yeah, we'd be angry and brooding by now already. Um, um, all right, let's let's try this introduction. Let's, let's see if we can do it. All right, ready? Welcome to the Exercise Physiology Podcast. I'm Adam Kriz. I'm Anna. I'm a senior at Pacific University studying kinesiology. And today our special guest is Lance Deal. Woo! Whoop, whoop. Nice. Um, and so I guess we were just talking. Um, the purpose of this podcast um, is to um, have some fun talking about exercise physiology. Um, I think there's a lot of expertise in the area. Um, I, I'm, I'm a high school exercise physiology teacher, and I wanted to, a way to be able to, to um, have some in-depth focused conversations with experts in exercise physiology that my students can listen to, that we could, that other people can listen to, and just start um, getting a conversation started about exercise physiology. And so, um, for our first episode, we have we have Lance Deal here, and Lance, do you want to brag about yourself, or should I try to rattle off your accomplishments from memory here? Yeah, why don't you go ahead? So okay, so so, so really, so, really short one, and then I'll fill in. Okay, okay. So this this is what I know so far: four-time Olympian. Um, God, I have no idea how many national championships you would have won. Twenty-one. Twenty-one national championships. You have the world record in the indoor weight throw. Yes. Um, you have the American record in the hammer throw. Yes. You won the silver medal in 1996. Oh, I did. And 
you were a coach at University of Oregon for nine years? It was eight, but yeah, felt like nine. you get a bonus here for, for for the years that you were there. You get you get a bonus. For my first year, I get a bonus year. Yeah, and you're you're currently a fabricator of hammer cages and a masseuse, a massage therapist. Sorry, massage therapist. Yes. Yeah, you corrected me on that before. Um, what 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 did I leave out? So what you left out was I graduated with honors from Montana State University in exercise physiology. Yep. Oh, there we go. Look at that. So, there you go. So um, you yeah, that's it, really. <laughs> that that's not a bad resume. I mean, that's you, really you're probably you're way too big a star. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel I feel very min minuscule in this in this room right now. <laughs> Well, I don't know. You are actually. You're <laughs> just size-wise, you're very minuscule. Um, to to the to, yeah, yeah. You're the smallest one here. I got it. Um. So so today I want to talk about like um, goals and motivation and kind of the the. I mean, before we, we can really start talking about the science of exercise, I think we got to start talking about like, why do we exercise in the first place? Like, why don't we just play X, sit and play Xbox all day? And uh, I don't know. I mean, and so I, I figured you, you are the perfect person to talk to about goals, achievement, and, and just and doing things the right way. Um, I... I I can't think of a better example of, of someone that just competed at such a high level doing it the right way. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you, look, at, if, if you look at it that way, um, I, I was highly motivated. And, and why that is, I don't really know. Um, our, our coach, uh, Adam, Adam and I had the same coach. Um, and he always used to say that there's reason for reasons for behavior, and they and they're all different. Um, everybody has a different reason for being out there, and um, I'm not really sure. I mean, I tell stories about why I I went into throwing and that sort of stuff, um, and it was basically just you know to to prove some childhood friends wrong. Um, I, I was a fat little kid, and um, at one point I decided I didn't want to be that way anymore. Um, but why that happened, you know, what, what, what is that little voice inside your head that makes you get up and, and go work out? And I, I think for me it, now as a, as a former athlete who hasn't really worked out for a couple of decades, um, <laughs> um, the question is, and I ask this to a lot of my friends who go ahead and, and train every day, go to CrossFit or go running or just go in and lift. So that, what does that voice in your head sound like um, that says go out and work out? Um, for me, it was easy. I had to do it. Um, the, 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 the motivation, although I can't really define it, was just super strong. It was, it was, it was not, it was not a choice for me. Um, and luckily I, I, I fell into a situation both in college um, where um, I just wanted to be like my coach 
and he was super energized and super motivated and and he was really really intense and i just wanted to be like him you know i finally found people like me um that kind of cared about this thing and didn't really just want to go play football and so that was kind of cool and then when i got here i got <clears throat> i dropped myself into this situation where the coach was was ruthless and um there was just no no quarter given you had to perform every day and um luckily again the the planets align he happened to be really really good at it um good at, at keeping you interested and good at at not and and creating a, a training situation that was really really sound um physically um the other stuff we kind of we kind of worked on individually you know the the, the the psychology of it and the and the whatever else you want to call it the spiritual part um uh that was sort of left to our devices but but as far as showing up in the rain every day to throw and to lift and to do bounds and to do other exercises it was all set out for us and that 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 served me really well um without one of those things would i have been successful i don't know um, i don't know if i would have been able personally um my 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 own I always used to say that that I'm not this this great, motivated, dedicated athlete. Um, I contend that I'm really, really good at putting myself into situations where I'm forced to perform. That's and, what I do too. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly. I, I over. I if I sign myself up for things that I know are too much for me to handle, just because I know I'm going to be lazy if I don't do that. Yeah. So anyway, um, and then and then you end up backing into stuff uh, along the way, um, which where, I did. Where, where's here, by the way? You said you know you, you came here. What? Oh. Why don't you tell everybody like where, um, where where you are now? Because you're anyway. Where, where's here? I mentioned before I graduated from Montana State, grew up in Wyoming, um, moved out here uh, a little bit after college. Uh, here is Eugene, Oregon. Um, and uh, yeah, I was going to stay here for, for a, couple of, a couple of weeks and move to Arizona and I got stuck in the mud. Um, and uh, met my coach and, and just became enthralled with the whole process um, really quickly. And um, uh, so we had, a, we had a group here um, Stuart was the Stuart Toger was the name of our coach. Um, he was the national hammer coach at the time, and he's from Scotland. He went to a um, physical education school in Scotland called Dunferline, Dunfer, Dunferline, um, and uh, did some really good work there. And, and as a result, he he provided something that um, a lot of coaches don't have. You know, there, there's really not very many, if there's any at all, there's no coaching, uh, college coaching programs in the country. Um, you know, I was lucky because I happened to be interested in exercise phys, 
and and was able to use some of that in my coaching. But most of my stuff, you know, I think that, uh, and Adam, correct me if I'm wrong, um, I think my strength as a coach was the psychological stuff. And that was stuff that I worked on as, as an athlete really hard. Um, and, the, and the physical stuff, you know, on the surface is really pretty simple. Um, for, for, a, for a, um, and maybe that's just because of the, of, of what Stuart presented, because Stuart was, I mean, we had it, we, we knew from, we, we'd sit down at the start. I don't know if you ever got this Adam, because this early on, he didn't do it later, but early on we'd sit down and he'd just show us the year very, very simply, um, uh, what's it called? Periodization of, okay, we're going to do circuits and then we're going to do uh, uh, pre-lift and then we're going to do long heavy lifts and then we're going to gradually, you know, lower the volume and raise the intensity. And he'd kind of talk about all this stuff. And the, 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 our, our, our training wasn't really, I mean, we were throwers. So um, there always, seem, there, there, there always is not, it seems like there's really not that many variables. Um, but I guess as, as you and I talk about it, about him, well, yeah, there is. Um, but on, on the surface, it's, yeah, warm up, throw, lift, and go eat. Um, but it's, it's, not, it's not quite that simple. So I, I just taught a lesson yesterday on motor behavior and a little section on motor learning and just the difference between declarative memory and non-declarative memory. And so declarative memory is remembering a, a fact, right? Oh. Who, was, who was president in 1908? That would be, you'd, you'd access your declarative memory to, to, de, to declare that fact. Remembering how to perform a motor pattern, like riding a bike would be declarative memory or non-declarative memory. Yeah. So you remember how to ride a bike. That is part of memory but there's, you couldn't describe to somebody how to ride a bike, <laughs> right? And so this is why I think is kind of interesting about the process that you and I went through is um, I think what we did is we learned how to ride the bike with zero words being attributed to what we were doing. Yeah. And, and I, you know, so a big reason for this podcast, I was thinking about this just earlier, a big reason for this podcast is I want to put words to what I experienced. And I want to talk to as many people as I can just to try to start flushing out what we did with words. Yeah. Because I don't think it's simple at all. I think it's extremely complex. I think you basically, yeah, it, it's it, our training process is extremely complex, but you're right. I had, I had the year's worth of lifting memorized. I, I knew exactly what it was after that, that first day where you sit down and go through the year's training. Yeah. But again, and it might be, yeah, it, it's not a might. You're right. It's, it's, it's the way he presented it, and and you talk. We talked in, at a different time about blockchain, and um, 
Anna, this is where you need to jump in and keep us from going too far off the rails, okay? No, it's the reason why I'm so like interested right now is the, the most hilarious thing is just my last class today, we were talking about periodization and blockchain. And so I was just like, whoa, really? I can't believe what I'm just learning. I literally learned th three hours ago is being applied in real life right now. And so I'm just watching oh. it happen. I'm just like, this is, I just can't interrupt. Like I'm just, I'm trying to learn ahead because we just started dabbling in periodization, but haven't fully gone into it so i'm like maybe i can just get ahead of my class right now <laughs> so i'm just listening oh you could totally name drop like tomorrow in class you'd say well according to olympic silver medalist lance deal uh you know, that i casually talked to for like the last hour you know no biggie i just know an olympian there's yeah. a co-host of a podcast you know and you know we <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> yeah <laughs> so Lance Touche on the blockchain can yeah feel yeah, only the last time the last podcast I couldn't remember it. I couldn't remember the the, the, the I couldn't remember blockchain. It's like keychain, Bitcoin, <laughs> what? And and Brittany Henry listened to it and just texted me like three weeks, three weeks later she heard it. She just sent me a text. Blockchain. So now I remember it. Well, so so then as an example of that. In our training, the first day I was in Eugene, walked up to Stuart, it's time for practice. He hands me two hammers and the, the, the exercise doesn't matter for the podcast. He handed me two hammers and, and, and pointed it at, the, at the, the college kid that had been there for three years, one of the best throwers in the country. And he said, go do what he's doing and just left me alone. And then, and then, to, and then all that, that, that drill, he filled in, so he walked up and, and keep your thumbs up, keep your shoulders down, your head's crooked, keep your, keep your head straight. And so I'd already gained some experience and, and I didn't know the questions to ask. I didn't know what I didn't know, but my body did. And so that was, I think that was his gift. Um, and so maybe, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Maybe that's a way to to, um, to, to describe um, to describe parts of, of uh, components of exercise fits. You know? you know, that's actually very interesting, just that perspective, because I mean, I did track in high school. And so there would be times as well when um, coaches would be tell athletes to be like, hey, just follow the drill, just do it. And then a lot of athletes would complain and be like, I don't know what I'm doing. What are we supposed to do? So I, I guess I'm curious to see what your perspective is like. Like, how are you still motivated to do that sport when you just felt like you were being thrown into it if you did feel that way? Because I feel like some students or some athletes um, that I was teammates with, like we would just be really confused and we're just like, why, why do we feel like this is like, you know, why do we still want to do this sport? I, I just feel like I don't know what I'm doing all the time and I don't feel like I'm getting any better. So what is your stance on that? A, a phrase comes to mind um, and, I, and I, I, I tried to use this as a coach, um, try to set your athletes up to succeed and instead of fail. And there's, there's a balance there um, you have to challenge them so it's possible for them to fail. And yet uh, uh, um, the, the, over, the overarching uh, goal is to succeed. And so you can't teach somebody how to succeed by making them fail all the time. 
you know, I, I had a, I had a, a rule in the weight room. You, you do not fail a lift. You don't go so heavy that you, you fail a lift. And um, it's just important to do that. And so the more information that you can get in the correct way, I think it's, it's really important. Um, it's also really important to, to not, um, our coach used to, Stuart used to say, you know, if you analyze, you paralyze which was really, um, uh, what's it called when you, when you contradict yourself, um, hypocritical because he was the most insanely technical coach in the whole entire world. Um, but you, but you couldn't analyze. Um, so, so yeah, why, why are we doing these things? And, and what we're, what we're, what I feel is moving toward is, is, more biomechanical stuff. Um, and I'm trying to think of a way, is there a way to, um, to talk about the same things from a, from a um, physi physiology of exercise standpoint? And, you know, questions that I always had were, or I still do, you know, you watch these athletes running around and, and some of them just fly. They just glide and they bounce. And some of them, they don't bounce, but they can just shuffle around the track forever and ever. And so why, what, what, makes, what makes one person good at the 100 or the hammer, which is the shortest event, I guess shot's the shortest event, um, and somebody else good at the 10K, except for the obvious, you know, size differences and whatever. But then, so then, you know, narrow it down to, you know, why can somebody be good um, up until 96? You only ran the 100 and the 200 if you're a sprinter. And then, and then somebody came along and ran a 200 and a 400. And what? How did that happen? Was that training? Did we find another kind of genetic human being? You know, what was that? And why did that happen? And how do you know that? How can you see that? And, and that's the stuff that would be interesting to, to find out. Like with the throws, you can, you can see if somebody has the throwing motion. There's a certain rhythm that all really good throwers have. And there's some that they're okay, but they have, they're just a little bit off. It's just like anything, there's, there's some people that just have this pure sense of what it, what it takes, the rhythm of what it takes. And I suppose it's the same with high jumpers and long jumpers and triple jumpers. And, and, and good coaches can see that right away. And then, but not everybody's like that. And so how do you teach somebody those parts? You know, so you've got to, you, you've got to, and, I, and I hear this because I'm around the track team uh, as a massage therapist some, you know, how do you, how do you teach a 400 meter runner to go to, to run the 800, you know, why, why does, why, why do people move up in distance as they get older? You know, the, the great 800 meter runner in college at the end of her career, she, she wins the NC2As in the 15, but by the time she goes to her first Olympics four years later, she's running the 5K. How does that happen? You know? I really like how you're just making a syllabus for, for this podcast. <laughs> this is really helpful. I'm just <laughs> taking notes, taking notes. Um, 
I think there's a weed. Don't you think there's a weeding out factor too? Like if it, I, I always think like high school athletes, if you need a lot of uh, positive reinforcement from a coach, you're just going to keep going to the event. Like as a freshman, like you don't know what your body's going to be like in four years, right? As a senior right. in high school. So as a freshman, you just end up gravitating to the coach that you kind of have the best chemistry with. If it's the shot put coach, okay, great. You're, you're, you're going to hang, spend more time out, hang out more at the shot put ring than yeah. you are with the, with the distance runners. Yeah. I mean, given, given a range. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, you know, yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure where I'm going with that one. So, but going back to motivation, then, you know, what is the, I guess there's a whole bunch of different motivations, right? One of, one of my motivations was, um, well, I think that they change. It started out as I didn't want to play football but I needed to be good at something athletic um, because I wanted to be better than my brother. Um, and, then, um, and then it became, oh, I have found myself. This is, this is who I am. And, and that's a really wonderful place to be where you get to do who you are, right? Um, I was a thrower and I got to throw. That's, you know, and, and if you think back, as you, you know, it's, there's a social part with the coach, but then as I think back, I always threw stuff. You know, it, maybe it was playing tennis against the, the garage wall, or maybe it was throwing crab apples at the high school across the alley, or maybe it was skipping rocks. And, and it just so happened that, you know, when the contests come, I couldn't throw the little rock the farthest but I could throw the big rock the farthest. And so, hey, let's see who can throw this as far, you know, into the whatever. But I always did that stuff. And so, so maybe it is a little bit predetermined. Can you, can you, and I, I so I'm going to challenge this predetermined thing because, and the reason why is because I don't think hammer throwing is a natural movement. And that's what I also think is why it's a good case study for how we apply exercise physiology and things like periodization. Um, can, can you describe what the hammer throw is? No. <laughs> yeah, you want, you want me to freeform it a little bit? I, that's why you're here. So, so hammer throwing is dancing, dancing with, a, with a, a 16 pound ball four feet away from, four feet away from your hands. So it's seven feet away from your center of gravity. You're spinning around um, uh, about every 1.5 seconds. You spin around five times or, four, or three, three, four, or five, depending on, on who you are and what you do. Um, and uh, you have to throw, you have to let it go so it lands inside of a 34.92 degree sector. Um, and you have to stay inside of a seven foot ring while you do it. And so there's some footwork involved. And how heavy is it? It's 16, well, men's uh, Olympic is 16, college and Olympic is 16, um, uh, 19, up to 19 years old, like 16 to 19 is 6K. Um, before that, it's a 5K. Before that's a 4K. Women throw a 4K up all the way through from the start uh, from the beginning to the to the end, which is kind of weird. Um, 
but um, so 4K is 8.8 .8 pounds. And, uh, and it's really, you're basically walking. It's, a, it's a, the, foot, the, foot, um, the foot pattern is a heel to toe on one foot. And then it's, in, but you don't, that foot stays on the ground. So it's, it's basically, there, there's got to be a name for it in dance, but the, the, general, the general term in dance for a left-hander, which I am, so I'm going to talk left-handed, right-hand is all backwards. Um, they can just play the podcast in reverse. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah, play it backwards. <laughs> I buried Paul. Um, Sorry, that's an old person pop culture reference, wasn't that? Was that Abbey Road? Is that who that oh, was? Yeah, that was yeah. that was Paul and, yeah. and the, the rumor that he was dead. Paul McCartney, Beatles. Um, do you know the Beatles only lasted through the '60s? They weren't around even for a decade, like '64 to '69. The they, got, they got a lot done. Yeah, yeah. Um, changed the world. So anyway, in dance, what I do is called a right inside turn. And so uh, I lift my, my uh, left foot up and I step over my right foot that stays on the ground and it's doing a heel toe, just like I'm walking, only it comes around 300, more or less 360 degrees and starts again. Uh, you start the throw by um, winding it around your head you take your hands and you, and you just get the ball going by by taking it around your head, around your back, above your head and around your back. You get it going in a circular motion and then you, you cast it in and uh, you start walking around in circles until you let go. And then by that time, if you're lucky, the dynamics of the throw uh, create a really cool sensation that you're just lifting the ball out away from you and you stand there and you, and you go from the ball at, the, at that time in a, a 230, sort of a really good collegiate uh, open uh, distance of 230 to 240. The ball's going about 70 miles an hour and you let it go and stand still and watch it fly. That's the coolest part of the hammer. And don't forget, you, you do, you do a, a scream at the end. <laughs> you oh, can yeah. scream. You can scream. You can scream twice. You can scream three times. You can scream four times. I feel like it's, it's, it's you have to do it in order to send it further. <laughs> well, I think you do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you got all dressed up. I mean, I will scream, right? <laughs> Draw some attention to yourself. Um, yeah. And it's really, it's just a really cool um, dynamic sort of thing. It, it kind of feels like the ball's pulling you, when you do it really right, it feels like the ball's pulling you around in a circle. Yeah. Kind of feels like you are, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was, I was just gonna say, so doing this walking dance with a 16 pound ball that's seven feet away from your center of gravity, how far did you chuck this object? Well, you can chuck it as far as you want. But how far did you do it? I, ch I checked it. I hit 270 feet, nine inches was my best throw ever. So if you're standing on the goal line of a football field 
What yeah. yard line do you throw it to? It's the other 10 yard line. <laughs> it's really, it's impossible. It, it, it's, it's really smoke and mirrors. It, I think we should take a time out here and, and just explain that my very first year throwing at University of Oregon, and I'd never touched a hammer before in my life. Um, Lance was, so this is in 2000, right? And, and so, okay. um, so you're still throwing pretty far. And so how competition order works is the worst person throws and then the next worst person and it keeps going until the last person that throws is the best person. And then it, the next round starts over. So the worst person goes. So my whole, if you want to talk about motivation here, my whole first year of throwing hammer, I was the worst thrower. And so I would throw everybody else in the competitions throw then Lance is at all my meets. So Lance throws and it literally goes over a hundred feet further than I threw it. And then I step into the ring and throw. And the officials look like tuna fishermen reeling <laughs> in the tape. <laughs> go ahead when you're ready. Just go ahead. Yeah. I mean, they're just as fast as they can, like trying to, uh, reel in all the extra tape after Lance's throw and then and then I throw so yeah I just wanted to just want to take it I, I've been holding on to that one for a while um, <laughs> glad I got it off my chest <laughs> my first hammer competition I lost by 90 feet so I, I know that feeling thanks um yeah I threw a school record doing it oh well see you got some positives yeah good um so anyway um so how does that happen you know you got to have a certain it's pulling on you the ball's pulling on you sometimes it feels a little bit like a motorcycle when you when you're driving a motorcycle and you hit the power band and the and the the the, the forks want to the handlebars want to pull away from you sometimes it feels like that it feels a lot like water skiing um feels like you're going to fall backwards kind of all the time and if you're really lucky, sometimes you can tell where you're at. Um, so you don't spot like you do a, a, a ballet dancer does, but you see a, a certain place and, and some different throwers see different places. Um, whether you see the direction of the throw or whether you see what we call zero, which is right in, in between your feet, um, 180 degrees from the throw. Um, but there, there's always um, some touchstone that you 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 look at visually it's very important uh, for balance your your eyes are very important for balance and so there's another you know again probably more uh, biomechanics than than physics but um i guess it's all the same in a way it's all what your body's doing yeah for this podcast it is so that's that's a really another really cool thing about me is um speaking of the vestibular system and is that right yeah um your your eyes and your and your ears your, the semicircular canals in your ears work together to create a sense of balance and that's why some people get dizzy when they when they're in a car because their their eyes track a certain way but if you're going around curves your ears are telling you something different and and they get confused and you get dizzy well I've got a birth defect in this in my in my right ear, 
that I don't have um, developed semicircular canals. So I don't get dizzy, That's which is really cool. I can, I can turn and turn and turn and turn and turn and turn and turn. So, so in an alternative uh, career, you would have been a great ballet dancer. Yes. Yes, I could have, except I have no rhythm. You have, no some, you have some, like you said, it, throwers need a certain rhythms in order to, to, you know, execute a really good throw. It's true, but it's dictated by the hammer. So the hammer is just a giant metronome. We, we, we talk a lot about during the, in the, in the, in the technique, we talk a lot about feeling the pendulum and it, it's literally, you feel a, a pendulum movement that the ball makes and, and that dictates your movement. And um, in, unless I have that, unless I have, you know, 700 pounds pulling on me, telling me to dance, it doesn't happen. Unless it's, unless it's, you know, my wife at the New Year's Eve party. And then I'll go dance. So Lance, earlier you were describing intrinsic motivation and in, um, extrinsic motivation. So how, when you originally started doing throwing, it was because you didn't want to play football. And then eventually it became this um, mutual understanding with yourself that throwing was who you are, like you are a thrower. So mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you about um, when you went to compete in the 1996 Olympics, uh -huh. like what motivated you to, you know, I guess, what were your intrinsic motivations at the time? And what was your extrinsic motivations at the time? Both of them were fear. <laughs> And, and I, I say that as a joke, but in a way, it's really kind of true. Um, when you go into a competition, you're, you're basically, biochemically, you're going into a life, life or death situation. All your stress chemicals are going, um, your cortisols, your adrenaline, all of this stuff is going. You're literally going into battle. And that's the really cool part about the psychological part of it is dealing with that and how do you um how do you come up with a with a, a a story a framework a mental framework and a spiritual framework about why this is important and and how you're gonna how you're gonna navigate this stuff and so there's the you know the so the extrinsic stuff is um you don't know you don't want to embarrass your coach you don't want to embarrass your 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 training partners um you don't want to you don't want to uh fail your parents or your wife or your family or whatever and if you're lucky like i am nobody cares about that they just care that i'm happy and i do well and you know i do as well as i want to and they're still going to love me and so that was a huge anchor for me to hold on to and then the other part is, you're, even though you know that these guys aren't going to, these guys being the Hungarians and the Russians and the Ukrainians and the, the, the French and the Italians, and um, uh, there's, some, there's some really not pretty men that throw the hammer. And, <laughs> and you know that they're not going to, you know, drag out their broadswords and start swinging at your neck. You know that, but, but in your mind, you're in that, you're in that place. And so you have to imagine, you have to create for, and I think especially for us as Americans, 
um, because we're kind of soft. Um, it's another good thing that about my coach is he, he, he was Scottish. And so he knows the hard life. And um, he would always tell us if we, if we showed up and we weren't quite ready for practice, he'd be, ah, the Russians are out there throwing in the snow. And, and, uh, and he was right. You know, they, they had a harder life than we did. And so I was personally, then again, I was really, really fortunate that I knew a little bit about my history, uh, my, my genealogy. And my great-great-grandfather on my, on my dad's side, um, he had a gold mine in the, in the mountains of Wyoming. And I have a picture of him posing in front of a tent with, with him and his wife and his five or six kids. And this guy is just badass, right? And um, still to this day, is the biggest deal. He was 6'4", he's bigger than I am. And, um, and he, was, he, had this, he was standing there and he was not smiling. And he has this gun, this rifle that's almost as tall as him. And so the guys that I was competing against at the time, and I had a lot of help with all the psychological stuff from my, from my psychologist, Scott Pengelly. And, and he had me read this book called The Great Game. And it's by Peter Hopkirk. And it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a history. It's a really well-written history of in the late 1800s, um, uh, both great, the, the, uh, Br the British Commonwealth, the British Empire, and Tsarist Russia were trying to find a land route through Tajikistan, Kazakhstan, land route to India for the spices. And so the guy at the time that was the best thrower in the world was a guy named uh, Andrei Abduvaliev, and he was from Tajikistan. And so his grandfather defeated the British Empire and Tsarist Russia at the same time with muskets. And so he's kind of badass. And he very, was really- Very badass. Yeah. Um, but then I took my picture of my great granddad and then what I knew about the, those indigenous people of the, of the mountains of the Hindu Kush. And it's like, yeah, I can do this. I can do this. And so you're out there and, and so you, you find that, that internal strength. And, and there's, there's some stuff about, about, you know, Adam talked about the way I did it and how I did it right. Um, there's some other stuff that, that the, the, the way that I did it um, was, was really um, important to me uh, that I did it with the, with the kind of integrity that, that, that I needed to do it with. And so that, and part of that is honoring your ancestors. It's like, and I think any of us at this point can do that, you know, because uh, I mean, we're, we're in the middle of a pandemic and, and our ancestors survived uh, the, 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 the Spanish flu of, of 19, whatever, 18, 1919, when was it? 2000, not 19. Yeah, it was 1919. 1912. I was thinking 1912, but I'm not totally sure. So sorry to all the his, history majors out there. Yeah, and so so, and if you go back to you know 
there's this there's this thing online about you know the people that that grew up uh, that were born in in uh, 1899 and what they lived through. And if you go back further, you know our our ancestors, <laughs> they survived a lot. All of us, nobody had it easy at some point. And and so it's really important to honor them and to say, yeah, you. You know, even just you go back far enough for your for your mother and father and say, you know, uh, I want to honor you for giving me this 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 genetic gift, and you know, that's a really strong touch touch point as well when you're out there. Um, and then the other, and I talked about it before, and I really really can't define it. Um, why I had to do it. It wasn't like, oh, I think I'm going to go through hammer or somebody, I'm on this quest and I got it. I'm going to do this for this. It's like, no, it wasn't that at all. It's like, I had to do it. You know, like I had to eat. I haven't eaten for a day. I have to eat. Um, and that was what it was like. So whether, whether or not, I mean, I, I'm always interested and I think I'm uh, 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 repeating myself now, but I want to know I want to know what's in somebody's head that goes out for a run every day. You know, what, what's that voice that says to them, Hey, go for a run. Do you, do you think part of it is like, I have trouble doing casual exercise just because like, I think the environment we were in, would, would you agree that our coach Stuart, his intensity matched any of the athletes he worked with oh absolutely i mean he was just as intense or more so he could have been the most intense he probably was he's probably the most i don't know um and so absolutely. it was just it was a very very focused intense environment and after coming out of that environment i have a hard time just like going for a little run <laughs> you know i just it's, I struggle with it. It's like, wait a second. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I don't know. It seems but, like playtime or something like. So, so, you know, I, yeah. I mean, I wanted to say, well, I said that I, I'm good at putting myself and you agree into uh, positions where you're forced to perform. And so, you know, Stuart was my motivation. And not, I don't mean that to, to, to go please Stuart. He, you know, he kind of drugged me along by my hair sometimes. No, he didn't. He poked you in the chest and you <laughs> gleeful, gleefully charged after him. And then if you ever slowed down, he poked you in the chest again. <laughs> you kept going. That, that on, on my good days, yeah. Yeah. On my good days. There, there are times when... Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm in this thing. I got to do it. Yeah. I don't want to do it. Really and you know what, what I thought was impressive too. So, you know, we, we've had the same coach, we've been through the same training program, but something I never experienced is uh, my livelihood never depended on my performances. Yeah. And that's something that, I mean, that's actually an existential. Um, I mean, that, that's, that is like a real fight for your life in 96. Right. Well, because to be fair, to be fair, um, it, it was never that way. For, you know, I, I, 
my wife Nancy was a PT. She had a great job. We weren't we weren't going to go hungry if I didn't you know if I didn't uh, place. So um, and the and the Russians, yeah, definitely. And so I think that that might actually be one of the reasons. I, I feel like I've talked about this. I've thought about this before back in the day. Um, no, you're not really. You're still not really in it to to as as a, as a um, to make a living. Even even when I was, and it was really great that I made enough money to say, well, hey, I'm making all, I'm a professional athlete. Um, it really wasn't. It, it's it wasn't do or die. And even a guy, you know, some of the shot putters um, had a lot of trouble with that um, because they were putting everything on hold. Um, and they were able to um, sort of realistically earn a living if they did well. And, and one of the guys, it just ruined him. It was too much pressure. So I wonder how that would have, you know, if it was a real thing, you know, it's like, okay, here's the thing. If you don't throw far, you don't get any protein next year. You know, because that, that was the thing. The reason that the Russians went to training camps was they got chicken. And if you want a car in your life, you got to get an Olympic medal. That's the real thing. Or, or you can, you know, you can go and go work in Siberia and, and have a little tiny apartment and, and eat potatoes and drink vodka. If I get poisoned by Putin for this podcast, I'm going to be so mad at you. No, see, and I'm and I'm definitely over over speaking it. But <laughs> that, that that was true. They told me once that they go to they go to training camp so they can have protein. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, so all I'm saying is we don't have any idea in this country what it's like to to really really have to perform to stay alive or to to stay alive comfortably and so it'd be interesting it'd be interesting how some people and maybe some people do but i i really think well, I, I can't say that there's a lot of people that that are very very successful athletically that otherwise wouldn't be doing well at all. So, so I'm, I'm coloring this with my, my own bias and upbringing, um, you know? Yeah, I, I think the, the, the making a living and the existential question, I think is super interesting. Like I watched the Blazers last night and Damian Lillard, who I think he's the highest paid professional athlete. Really? But he's just amazing. And um, I, if I got paid that much money, I don't think I'd be as motivated. It, 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 I mean, the stuff he does is, you can tell just takes a tremendous amount of work yeah. to get that good. Yeah. And if I got paid that much money, I don't think I'd be working that hard. And yeah. so I would love to see what makes that guy tick. Yeah. You know, I, I just- Yeah, I remember asking the question in college or, or soon after. If, if somebody gave you $40,000 a year, um, how would it change your training? And you like to imagine that it would, but I, I don't know if it would or not. And so it's kind of the opposite. It's, it's the opposite question. What does money motivate 
him to practice some crazy layup around five defenders at the same time? Or does that drive that motivates him to do that afford him the opportunity to be good enough to make that kind of money? Right. Yeah. I know if, I mean, $40,000 for me after college would have been revolutionary. I went to work, you know? And so, you know, if I'm not working, um, you know, 20 to 40, 40 hours a week as a server, um, that definitely changes my post-collegiate training right. um, regiment. Yeah. But right. I don't know. Oh, there's one other thing about that. I lost it. Oh man. Um, I, I, you, you've done other podcasts where you explain your Atlanta story, right? Yeah. And you've said that like a thousand times. People can just Google that. Well, they can. Do you want to go to, do you want to get into your Atlanta story? Well, I'd rather talk about your doing things the right way stuff. You're, you're, you're dancing around it. Am I allowed just to like, just out you as far um, as, uh, I'm just gonna say I we can edit it. You you didn't do drugs. I, I didn't take steroids, that's correct. Yeah. I didn't do any illegal drugs. In in an era where most, if not all it was, it was definitely the culture yeah. um, at that time. And um, I made I I was very again very lucky, very fortunate to to walk the path that I walked in uh, you know sort of my, my development years in Bozeman, we were pretty backwards and we didn't know anything about it. And so I was able to get fairly good in college without enough exposure to it or, or, or the exposure that I got was really, really negative. Um, and I, I came to Eugene and uh, talked to um, a guy that was, was an expert um, like a, 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 a international expert in the throws. And he told me that, um, he, he, he told me that the, um, the distances that were possible without drugs in the shot, in the discus, in the hammer, which were my events. And, and then the, the weights that were possible um, in the weight room, in the, in the common event, in, in the squat, in the clean in the bench and um, he was wrong on, so he gave me six, he gave me six um, data points, data points. And he was wrong in five of them. I'd already done five of them. And um, so at that point I knew that the current, um, the, the current uh, 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 wisdom was wrong. And so that was really lucky for me. That, that 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 it happened in that order um and then you know in, in doing it you know in college we 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 thought a lot about it because you know we were exploring and trying to figure out what was what and um and this is in, in my coach uh, in college his name's mike Kerrigan. um i was just so fortunate that he was he was a really deep thinker and he was the one that came up with this you know honoring your your ancestors 
and and to to take drugs is basically saying no hey hey you back there that that successfully fought off a saber-toothed tiger when nobody else could yeah you suck you're not good enough i'm going to go ahead and take these drugs and because i'm not good enough and and that's just really wrong and so you know forget about how it it degrades the the integrity of the sport you know if you, if there are people there cheating um, it's no longer the same competition. And um, I think that's true with anything, but um, uh, so, so I, I just, I chose not to. And so, and so this is where, so hammer throwing is an unnatural event and, and you, you definitely have, you chose your parents very well. Your aunt, you chose your ancestors really well. Um, so you, you got some genetic gifts right but you weren't you weren't a an international level hammer thrower when you came to Eugene no and so you and hammer throwing is an unnatural event meaning that if you if we handed a hammer to like any NFL player I don't think it goes very far if they try to throw it I think the best NFL well you can yeah I think you're right we could try you know, to, I just, we could guess, but put it this way. The first time I threw the hammer, I threw, I could throw the shot farther than the hammer. Right. I'll bet you, I'll bet you I could beat any NFL hammer thrower or any, any NFL player throwing the hammer, probably one-handed on the if, first day. No, I, I, there, there's some freaks out there. Oh, they're, you're probably right. There, there's some freaks out there, but can you given, given two weeks of training, beat anybody? Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I'm so I'm and, and just just saying it's an un. I'm, <laughs> that sounds like I'm bragging, but um, it's just an unnatural event. And so, non-athletes can do it. <laughs> yeah, no, I am. <laughs> yeah, I'm proof of that. And right. and um, so an unnatural event that you did not use performance enhancing drugs, steroids. Um, to do and relatively few injuries over the course of a 19 year career. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, I, I never missed a day of training because of an injury um, in my nine years of throwing. Sure. Well, I, I didn't throw as far. I didn't. <laughs> there's, there's a little less forces uh, pulling on me. Um, and so I think that we just had a really, really great training model. Oh, absolutely. I think that's the only way to explain. And, and it was focused and, and everyone there was motivated and all that sort of stuff. But, but also just the training model we are engaged in was just brilliant and simple. And I, I re, I'm so looking forward to uncovering the different um, concepts that that was based yeah. on and, and filling out the words to go along yeah. with with this like riding the bike feeling of that of that training program. Yeah. And and coming to the realization that that if he knew some of this stuff, he didn't tell us, but it was right. Like for instance, I I, I you know, we always we always um, lifted after throwing and we always threw heavy balls the next day after heavy lifting. And it was, it, was a, it was a conscious choice 
for him to do that for to to, to and then and then you find out 20 years later that physiologically the last thing you do is the thing that you remember and so of the day or whatever if you know and so if you if you want to forget something you go ahead and, and, and you know we'd always take a break before lifting so we threw and then we took a two or three hour break and and, and come to find out our bodies took that time to remember the throwing and then we lifted right, right. And then when you throw the heavy balls afterwards, your yeah. muscles, your nervous system's already fatigued and you throw the heavier balls to stimulate the nervous system to respond, right? Yes. That, or at least that was the that was, yeah. explanation. That, yeah. yeah. So, so, and it was always, it was never, um, it was never about lifting. It was always about throwing. And so he would, he would do things either in the, in the, in the training, in the throwing with heavy balls or whatever, so we didn't become lifters, you know, you know, oh, you look like a lifter today. What have you been doing? You know, for me, it was always, you know, he knew when I was in the shop using my big grinder and he didn't know I was using my big grinder, but every single time I came to practice and my right shoulder after a while, after I got, you know, good enough that you could tell the difference, my right shoulder would go up. He goes, ah, oh, you've been in the shop, laddie but only on the days that I was using my big nine inch grinder because it's heavy and I had to hold it up and I'm left-handed. So I had to, you know, and, and tools are built for right-handers. That's why men die earlier because they're in left-handers, especially die earlier because we're trying to use right-handed tools. So I hate y'all. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, just that much, just he was so aware of, of body mechanics that he could see that in my throat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Anna, how are you doing with all this? Are, are you, are you, uh, is this making any sense? Cause Lance and I start getting, I feel myself slipping into the, the hammer vortex. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. Um, talking about mechanics of throwing and then like the whole, um, you know, the idea of like how you create the training plan for athletes, like everything's intentional. It makes sense. It all makes sense. And even though I was never a thrower, um, you know, being a part of track um, and seeing how throwing, like how you set up throwing uh, practice is very similar to like running practice or like jumping practices. So, you know, I get it. Like, I don't totally get it, but I get it. <laughs> well, here's a cool thing about about watching every, you know, watching for, for 20 years, for a long time, um, 30 years. So when I came here, we did these uh, agility drills to start every day. We do skipping drills, dynamic okay. exercise. Um, we do bounds. We do, uh, we play soccer. And, and the runners, they just go out and run. And the jumpers maybe would do a little bit of skipping and maybe they'd walk through the sand barefoot and then they just go jump or they do their work, their running workout. And so what I've seen though, in the development of, of, of the college program here, because it's the only example that I have. Um, well, it's not the only example. We talked to, uh, uh, in the early nineties, we were talking to one of the, uh, uh, high jumpers on one of the teams, he didn't even know what a single leg squat was. 
kind of self-explanatory, isn't it? You know, yeah, you never did them. <laughs> I mean, it's I, in the title. Yeah, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. But, but I, he didn't do them, let alone all this other stuff. I used to brag to my athletes. You know, we do every single thing that everybody else does, all the other event groups, in the first 30 minutes of our day. And then we go do our thing. You know, we do, we do, we run, we run an 800 meter warm up lap. We do skips that the jumpers do. We do some dynamic stretching uh, that nobody else did. Um, and then, and then we, we stretch, which the distance runners do. And then we go throw. But what's happened now, which is really cool to watch, is now everybody's doing that. And, part, and, and I don't know if it's happened na uh, nationally um, or internationally. I think it is. I um, think, yeah. I'll bet you CrossFit's got a big influence on that. At least I know when I was coaching at Western, the strength coach when I first got there, I think was, was a CrossFit person. Yeah. They're having all the people do CrossFit stuff. It was a disaster, but at least, you know, you're starting seeing, you know, there's at least a collegiate strength coach that was into this like multi exercise, um, you, you know, type of way of looking at things. And well, Jimmy Radcliffe came here and, and, designed his program around, at least in part, his warmups in, uh, incorporated a lot of Stuart stuff. Um, and that happened, and, and I, so I think that, that um, selfishly, well, Stuart got the circuits from the Germans. Yeah, I think everybody stole, I mean, Stuart stole yeah. from the right people, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. But I mean, exercise isn't new. Like, I think all the exercises that we do, they've been around for thousands of years. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think, I don't think anyone's inventing any new exercises. So I think that then it's just a matter of what, and, and Adam and I have talked a lot about this, about if, is there anything that's, that's, um, that you, that you leave out and there really isn't, he, he got it pretty, pretty good. But I guess my point was, is that um, it's all important. And, and even kinesthetic awareness exercises, a lot of the stuff that we did, um, at least that's how we did them. A, a lot of, well, the circuit, all, all the warmups in the circuit are kinesthetic um, awareness exercises. If you use them like that, you can actually, you can help with range of motion and with fitness. But if you remember how he taught those versus, well, you, ne you never, um, you never did the pillars with Jimmy. I did. Um, yeah. But it was more um, just that it, it wasn't, it wasn't, he, he didn't teach the really, really fine points because he was, he was coaching, you know, 200 football players at the same time. Right. Very, we were, very fine point coaching. Right. We were looking for simpler hammer motions inside of these common exercises that probably everybody, any fitness person probably does. Yeah. And we, we did them with a style of, I don't know how else to describe it other than a style. The, the point of doing these exercises was to re-emphasize different parts of the hammer technique while doing a burpee. Yeah. I've, I'm, every, any, anybody who's been to a high intensity 
interval training thing has done a burpee. We did burpees for the purpose of getting better at hammer. Yeah. Right. And so I think that was, um, can can I ask you, I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to ask you something about the, the silver medal. Okay. Um, so you were, you were five inches short of getting a gold medal, right? Four. Four inches short. Sorry. I didn't mean to <laughs> rob you an inch. <laughs> Diameter of a hammer, the diameter of a competition hammer. That's how short it was. Yeah. And, and, you know, you still went to Olympics after that. So that was in 96. You went to the 2000 Olympics in Sydney. Yeah. Um, and so you're still training and you still chose not to do drugs. Yeah. And you could have. Well, at that point, why would I? Because well, just so, yeah, just explain like you were, you were so close to what I think so many people equate with like the, the ultimate pinnacle of athletic achievement. And you yeah. could have, you could have cheated in just like a, in a way no one would have caught you. Like you would, I mean, I don't know, like why do things the right way? Well, that's, that's a really good question. I know. That's why I asked it. Um, that's what we're here to do. <laughs> well, there's a whole bunch of different reasons. So for me, um, A, I, I created this, this, I don't know what it's called, this, this framework of, of life of who I was and that didn't enter into it. Um, you know, and one of the reasons, well, okay. So let's go back to the very beginning. Um, when I learned about it, it, the only people that were doing it were really scary people. And, um, or that I knew that were doing it and it wasn't healthy at all. And, and then when I learned more about it that you could do it without completely killing yourself in three years. Um, I, I called my dad and my dad's diabetic and he's a little bit like me. He's got a high, you know, high, high, soft talker, high voice, soft talker. Um, and I'm, and I'm, you know, telling him all this stuff. And I didn't know he knew anything about anything about steroids. And um, I'm going on about, well, yeah, you know, if I was, if I was a German, I'd be making a living throwing what I throw in the discus. And, and, you know, it's really, you know, what they do it, some of the people are getting really good, you know, medical support and, and blah, 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 blah. And it's really not as bad as they say. And he just stopped me, interrupted me. And he goes, so this, this, this has a, one of the, one of the side effects that affects your pancreas, right? I said, well, yeah, I mean, if you, if you abuse it and you blah, 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 blah. And I hear it go, and I start, I start in with the spiel again. And, he, and, and his voice drops an octave, he goes, son. And he never, he's a guy that never told me anything. I said, well, whatever decision you make is gonna be the right decision. And um, uh, he goes, son, you don't want this disease. At that point, with all the other stuff about, you know, right and wrong and ch cheating because it's the rules and blah, 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 and honoring your ancestors. And here's my dad finally, at the, at the, when I'm at the age of 22, he, he tells me something 
he, he, he lead, you know, he, he, he's a, he's a, and my, my father was a wonderful parent. Don't get me wrong, but they certain they, they weren't, he wasn't an authoritarian person and he didn't tell me what to do very often. And so finally he tells me something, but in no, no uncertain terms that I don't want to do this. That's it. I was done. Period. Never thought about it again. So, and there's this thing that I made up, um, inside my head that I was the best thrower in the world. I was because there's a certain jump that you get when you take, you know, when you take steroids and it's somewhere around, you know, 10 or 20%, 10%. And even if it's, I think, I think the guy, um, anyway, um, if I, if I were to get half of that jump, I'd be the world record holder by 14 feet. Wow. So, um, and that's coulda, woulda, shoulda, if, and blah, blah, blah. And, and you never can prove it. You know, there's some, there's some guys that go on and they get so toxic that they blow up or they get, you know, roid rage and, and get put in prison. And it, that's real. And so um, I'm kind of the kind of person that, I could see that. I could see the the, the rage part happening. <clears throat> Don't say. I've seen you in traffic. <laughs> so part of it, part, again, part of it was fear. Um, but at, at that point, you know, well, first of all, at the end of 96, first of all, 20th of all, um, I was ready to retire. And um, I didn't. Uh, mostly because, um, mostly to honor my coach. I, I, I kept throwing for another four years. And, you could have done another eight years after that. Well, no, I was pretty beat up. I got, uh, something happened every four, every year of those four years. Um, broke a bone in my foot, ruptured the disc, um, did something to my ribs that I still feel. Um, so it was, it was, I should have, <laughs> I should have stopped when I was ahead. Um, but at the end of the day, I really, I really do think for whatever reason and whatever uh, uh, moral code that I've been steeped in, um, it just is wrong. It, 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 it degrades the, intensity, the, the, the integrity of what I spent my life doing. And you know, I can, I, I, I learned to live with other people doing that. Um, but I just, there was no way that I was, I, I, I could have done that. Well, and I think the nice, what you're saying about the blockchain, because I think you and I talked about the blockchain, where if you look at an athletic career, not on the peak performances, but on the code that you've written into yourself, like a, like a blockchain, like every day of practice wrote something else about your story. You look at the whole totality of your, of your training process. Like you, you've been through, I mean, it's, it's gotta be the most high level training of any hammer thrower that I know of, you know, it could be, I mean, the training you went through, it could be the, one of the greatest athletic achievements in history with, with your training process that you went through. Yeah, maybe. 
I mean, that's a very casual, yeah, maybe. I just said it could be the great, not Muhammad Ali, not, like, not Damian Lillard, not this, no, no, a casual, eh, maybe. I could be the greatest athlete of all time if you look at the quality of work that I've done from start to finish. That's pretty, that's pretty incredible. Well, I just know that there's a lot of people that work really hard too, you know? Yeah, and, well, and I right. Work hard. You know, I, I, I never, no, I never lifted hard. But you don't have to. That was smart training. Okay. Yeah, like I said, so it's the best quality of training. Yeah, you chose your ancestors really well. Props to you. But the training model and your ability to go through that training process and your motivation, your dedication to do things the right way, I think has made you one of the greatest athletes of all time. Well, thanks. And do you, you realize you're in a podcast with the greatest of athlete of all time? Yeah, like I said earlier in the podcast, I'm, I'm definitely going to brag to my friends. I'm like, what have you been doing? I'm just casually podcasting with an Olympian and like one of the greatest athletes of all time. Like, you know, I'm like. And Lance is here too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and there's Lance. <laughs> well, and it also has to do with, with the, um, the bell-shaped curve that you look at. You know, it depends on, on how you're measuring this stuff. Um, and yeah, in this little in this little group, we can we can we can pick our bell-shaped curve, and and we can put me out there as far to the right as you want. Um, and then there's other ones that's like we got second, you can't bring it. You know, the guy threw the guy threw far enough two weeks earlier to win by two feet. I can't stand that. Like I. It's a different, it's a different, or how much money do you make? You know, the guy, the guy that I went to college with, the guy that, that was recruited in the same year as I was to go on to the foot, to Montana State football team. He's the highest earning uh, bull rider, not bull rider, uh, uh, steer wrestler in the, in the country ever. And so am I better than him? Probably not. I mean, you know, there, there's guys, there's guys that you, that, and women that you hear about, you know, some of these, some of these women that, that, that had to blaze this, this trail of, of, you know, all I had to do was, was do the right thing. Some of these people had to do the wrong thing and had to have the, the, the fortitude to, to be a female and 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 do a sport right. when you know when when nobody did it right hey do you, do you know that the i can't remember the name of the lady um the first person to register for the boston marathon and and run it um she got ran off to the course they forced her off the course they tried to but her boyfriend was running with her and uh the the person that tried to like pull her off the course he he shoulder checked him um you know uh, you know he shoulder checked him and he went flying and that sort of stuff he's like but he was a hammer thrower was he really yeah <laughs> yeah see we're, we're an evolved we're an evolved breed man we get love it that. love that <laughs> well i think 
I, I think, uh, I think that's a probably a pretty good place to stop. Don't you think? I think we have. Yeah. Yeah. I think,